0: Demystifiers, assemble! It's Thursday night. We're not even on our normal release schedule. This is piping hot gravy. So excited. We got people in the chat already getting stoked. (laughs) Probably half of them never even watched Loki. So before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that might tune into the beginning of this that... You do not need to have seen the Loki television series to appreciate the information we're going to be putting forward. Think of it as a framework that allows us to teach the keys to the esoteric system. And oh, Alpha Warrior, boom. What's up, Mike Winner? Mike Winner? <laughs> we're going to have such a fun time. Preemptively, already sure that episode seven of the Loki TV show, that would be season two, episode one is so chock full that we're gonna have to probably do a double <laughs> like last time. These things just get bigger every time. Uh, we got so much to talk about. So excited. Really enjoy this series. Most fun I've had doing research for ever. Yeah, Sarah Lath gets it. Loki is a framing mechanism as all myths are. So yeah, don't worry about it if you haven't seen it. You're gonna enjoy this if you like our content generally on this channel. Gabe, my man, we're going to be dancing on the uh, around the whole timing (laughs) issue that we've got with the delay, but I think we'll make it work. So how are you doing, buddy? You ready? What do you what are you feeling?
1: Yes, sir. I'm quite ready. And because we took such a nice long break for the holiday, we have such an abundance. I think we're planning on splitting the first episode in half So, again, as I always do, I appreciate everyone's patience as we unpack these hyper sigils, these compendiums of symbolic enrichment. Uh, So, yeah, we do. We have quite a bit to share. Like, uh, I'm sitting on a bunch of I can't wait to share with Chance. And he's got a bunch. And we're just going to be
0: wowing it up all night long. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Feel free to say, wow, everybody hit us i think that should be the thing like hit us with the wow when you're marveling good stuff yeah i've got tons that i can't wait to show you it's gonna be great alpha warrior we will nourish you with the symbolic gravy so why wait we got we got to get to it let's bring it up so episode seven and gabe you know just dance or jump around or cut in whenever you got to say something otherwise i'll pretty much keep the train going Episode 7 of Loki, the TV series, is called Ouroboros. And th- that is a symbol worth unpacking in and of itself. Quite the hyper sigil, So much to it. Um, so let's look at what the Ouroboros is. First of all, uh, let me get my slides. Okay. This is the symbol of the Ouroboros. It is the snake eating its own tail. Probably don't need to tell many people here that. We got the best... Audience in the world, they, they know their stuff. But what may not be uh, realized by a lot of people is that Ouroboros is actually a symbol of Yao or Yah, Yahweh. I am the Alpha and Omega, I-A-O, <clears throat> a.k.a. Abraxas. So you see here both of these older versions of the Ouroboros that I could find images of. They've got that, that inscription, the Alpha and Omega, uh, you know, if we're going to look at it through the green language, Ouroboros is R-O-boros, meaning the yoni. <laughs> it's a uh, potentially a symbol of, I think it's a symbol of both generative powers combined, if I had to guess, the m- masculine and feminine. Uh, or you could also consider it to be the O as in the zero or the, the no-thingness. So R-O-boros, that means... It's the mystery, it's encoding the mystery of something from nothing. Like why is there something? I can't be the only one, especially when I was a kid, all day sometimes I would just be like, "But why? Why do I exist? Why is this here? How why is there something instead of nothing?" The mystery of mysteries and the ouroboros represents that. There's also fascinatingly you know if we start to look at it into the gematria lens or boros in the greek gematria is 1082 and maybe not obvious to everyone but there's a huge affinity between ancient greek and the hebrew language they started with the same 16 letters the phoenician letters so if we're considering 1082 the number or boros equals then what else equals that well in Hebrew, uh, they call Ursa Minor, which the tail of that constellation is the pole star. They call it the Sun of Ayish. And that phrase equals 1082. They also have the Greeks actually called Ursa Minor Kunosura, or what would look like in English Kynosura. It means the dog's tail, which. Is a a big reveal, honestly, because last night we were talking about the wolf being a symbolic uh, representative of winter winter and Hades and the underworld. And we didn't bring it up last night, but the wolf, (laughs) they crush in winter. They totally love winter. They're for sure a winter affinity animal. So for the dog's tail to be a a name for Ursa Minor, if we considered the... uh, the role of the fool, you know, in the tarot, the fool has a dog that follows him around. That's Ursa Minor, circling, following around the pole star. The Ouroboros is also a symbol of the transmigration of souls. <laughs> you know, what I learned in this decode is that the Ouroboros is a sim- a fool card symbol, <laughs> big time, big time. Uh, we'll talk more about transmigration of souls some point later in all this but that's the metempsychosis the idea that you're uh, reincarnated in different bodies in different forms Gabe you want to jump in yeah buddy so
1: one thing that popped to my mind as soon as I saw that was the title I'm always coming back to the tarot deck and I am quite convinced that this is the tarot deck to the death star (laughs) um and I do know those other decks. I know that those other decks are equally valid, but I'm telling you they are leaning heavily onto this deck. so the the initiation of season two is telling me we were right all along to be looking at this book as you know I think this is like the um the wardrobe. This is the wardrobe. All the rest of it uh, it's just the fact that they're literally wearing uh, their attire corresponds so powerfully to the uh, to the deck and we're then, talking
0: about the Crowley Thoth Tarot for anyone just listening.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And then Oros, Boros and Observer are a slick dissident anagram. This is where you get to turn the e's into o's and if you got a you need two b's but you only got one b, guess what? Slick dissident gave you permission to double your b. Now you got two b's cuz I cuz I told you you could. Look how closely these words are. Look how close they are. The observer, the orosboros. It's not a hard anagram. I'm not. By, I'm not asking that much, right? Phonetically speaking, number five is the observer on the enneagram, correspondent to Mercury, uh, orosboros. He has a. He has a drive up to the eight. Am I doing this right? There, he's it's driving. Really, and up you know.
0: To the- it's really Ouroboros. You know, you're putting in an extra S there, but for Observer as an enneagram, you only need the one S. Just thought I'd offer yeah. that.
1: <laughs> nice, yes, and I love that you uh, that you see Fool card strongly with that character. I do too, strong because I mean because, well, we'll get to all that, but I want to just say this is number five Observer. This is the art card. This is the artist who made the deck. This is Lady Frida Harris herself. So for Oros Boros to be the one who made the the TVA and to be correspondent with the woman who made the deck in her own deck, we're going meta, y'all. We're going levels inside of levels. This is Lady Frida Harris, and she is now correspondent with the character Oros Boros. We're taking this to next levels. The inception is
0: awesome. So another thing about the Ouroboros is how, let me pull this back up. It's the snake eating its own tail, right? Or the dragon consuming its own tail. The word Oro is also a word for gold or, or Oro and "boro" in Greek, "boro" that is eat. It's a verb. So you, there's so many ways you can decode this. Uh, first of all, Boar, the word boar is in it. And if we're going back to the Ursa Minor, Ursa Major, Mario was just telling us about how Ursa Major is actually originally a boar. Um, but oro being gold and boro being eat, gold, eating gold, consuming gold. This is also an alchemical encoding referring to eternal life or the never ending cycle that is evident with this snake in a circle. Being somehow correspondent to the philosophical goal of alchemy, the goal of alchemy, which is the immortality. Um, and I think a secret of alchemy and immortality is that you already have it. <laughs> and the real mystery is how to keep your memory rather than how to continue existing. Existence is a given, in my opinion. But back to the correspondence of the fool with uh, Ouroboros, <clears throat> It's interesting how the number one actually is spelled with the, an O at the beginning, but the glyph is drawn like a line. So you have like the one and the zero, the yo or yow right there encoded in the idea of one. One is the first integer. So, but the full card is actually card zero. Um, my opinion of the full card is that it's the beginning and the end, but. Uh, essentially where we're at in the show to catch everybody up or refresh. So astrologically, we've completed the cycle of the year in season one. So you get past the devil or get past Capricorn. And in this episode, we've jumped ahead to uh, the new year, the new cycle. Uh, So going through the tail to the head or the feet to the head type of point in the Zodiacal man. Um, Now we also should talk about how, the mobius which is the other main character of this show is a similar concept to the ouroboros i found this old alchemical art right here that's got the dove the cross uh, all with an ouroboros around it uh you know hold that thought we we will be talking about the dove and the cross pretty extensively in this episode or or the part 2 not sure where it fits in <laughs> Mario just popped in. He says, I heard some Ursa Minor gravy. (laughs) Got to catch up with this when you can. Yeah, you would love this series, Mario. But I just wanted to offer that the Mobius strip, the eternal return of that symbol is very congruent with the Ouroboros and both are uh, zodiacal symbols. In fact, when you see a Mobius depicted with Phanes or other types of characters like Mithras with the the mobius strip around them a lot of times the mobius strip will have the astrological glyphs on it and i think the same is said for the you know if we're talking about oro being gold and boro being eat then one (laughs) what is the gold that you consume it's the light of the sun and the sun is the thing in the sky that keeps eating, eating its own tail in a way um first of all in winter it kills or consumes its own offspring. It's Saturnian idea. Secondly, you know, it's cyclically returning to where it is eternally in a perfect circle. All of that is a very, very much an infinity or idea. Now let's break into the, you got, you want to jump in game? You should just wave when you want to, then I'll know.
1: Yes. So sometimes my screen gets a little jumpy. So that's why I look angry. <laughs> so, uh, I just had an epiphany as you were uh, and I'm so I'm so glad we have this process. Like we we leave very few stones unturned here on the demystifiers. Buddy, I think this is a perfect time uh, to correspond. now, of course, Oros Boros is that character who this is introducing into the team for the first time, but I'm having a great epiphany around it. Because between season one and season two, the main characters, Sylvie and Loki, they go through a transformation from their old tarot cards into a season two motif. There's a, there's a costume change that's happened between the seasons. And guess what? The two cards that they've transcended into are the two cards that have Orosboros crowns in the Rider-Waite original old-school deck, but only tarot heads would know this pattern. So while the title of this episode is about Orosporos the character, uh, Sylvie and um, Loki have both uh, apotheosized or whatever, gone through a transformation of character. And now where Loki was the, uh, can you bring up the most recent image? Because it has a, it'll explain my words very well visually. Uh, Loki used to be the nine in the six, I'm sorry, the nine in the three card. He was the moon and the hanged man in the, in the Thoth deck. That was his season one motif in season two. He's, he's actually going, uh, in a very symmetrical pattern. Let's see. <laughs> this is fun. There's so much go going on
0: in this image. I can only imagine what it took to put this, <laughs> to make this collage. But buddy, we gotta this present the unified so front. Much in you, here. You, you gotta stop saying the extra S on Ouroboros. otherwise, oh we, right, we, right. We, we'll seem like we're divided. You know, we gotta have a unified front.
1: <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's uh that was leading me to think there's more than the one character we're thinking because it turns out there's actually going to be three Oros Borosai, Orus Borosai, <laughs> <Ouro-bora. laughs> Uh Can you? There it is. There we go. Could you go to the bottom there? Uh, Yeah. This bottom part, this is helpful. This is very helpful. So uh, you can see the style and the motif where he was the hangman card before in season two, he's now rocking a collar. He's like, he's gotten a promotion uh, and he's go. And so he goes from the nine card and the 12 that reduces to a three 18 that reduces to a nine so he's the 93 he's the thelemic 93 in season one he apotheosizes or whatever he goes through a transformation i keep saying that Zerlath has got me uh in check on that word he goes through a change he's now uh this magi card that in the old tarot decks has an oros boros crown
0: and also uh you mean the limniscate the infinity symbol
1: there we go there we go yep 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 and so Sylvie does the same thing symmetrically on the enneagram. It's a beautiful dance they've done. She was a nine hermit card and a six lovers card uh, because of the hood in her introduction. Uh, that we went through this in the last season. That was her motif, and now she's gone through a change, and now she's going becoming the uh, the lust card that in the old Rider Waite deck has a limniscate above her head crown, just like. Uh, Loki now has uh, in season two. So they both got crowned with this jump into the new season with lemnescates or figure eights above their
0: heads. And so, and my take on that transformation is that they, in the culmination of season one, they attained Kater or the crown on the tree of life. They ascended, (laughs) they reached the end of time. They found the man behind the curtain they got to the top, and that from that point the only the only movement that they can make is back down so this episode with Loki representing the fool card most powerfully, we don't see Sylvie in this episode, but Loki being a fool card in this episode he uh he's descending back down, but then you brought up the hanged man. I actually see the hanged man as the uh <laughs> a part of this episode really powerfully too, the reason being like. If you look, if you divide the major arcana, the 22 or yeah, what? 22 cards of the major arcana. You divide that in to two sets of 12, <laughs> uh, basically my way of what I'm trying to say here is you have a ma- macro and a micro. You have the, uh, the inner journey that is the first half of the major arcana. And then you have the world. So like the inner world and the outer world. So. Basically, the hanged man is like the fool of the uh, external aspect, and I think with the time jumping that goes on in this episode, you have the past Loki and you have the future Loki, or present, or really it's the same Loki, but you have the the TVA of the past and then the TVA of the present. I think the past is the fool, uh, the fool, and I think the present is more the hanged man, but. I'm looking for signatures of both of those throughout this episode and you'll see that, that they're for sure there.
1: You know, uh, I'm, I'm so rewarded by this work, uh, in this, on the slick dissident channel, I've been uh, processing Achilles and his moment of, uh, of reticence where he is pulled by the hair by Athena. It's a personal spiritual thing for me. (laughs) Uh, but I happen to know that that moment of the of the Sagittarian station of the sky is the mania moment where you're like about to go nuts, and we uh, and we've done a lot of work on the on the position of that Sagittarius. Yeah, looking a lot like that right there. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, so I think of that very much where uh, where he goes crazy, where he skits and out. It is totally hitting uh, my research on Achilles and the uh, the epics, all of the epics.
0: So let's just look. I have the Rider Wave Fool pulled up here. Just want to zoom in on a couple of the elements that are important here for the weave. So first is, of course, the O and the Sun. You know, I kind of consider those to be correspondent here. Then you have. The bag <laughs> concealed and I'll just call that concealed intention or the wind bag or the mind bag, the unconscious. He's carrying the unconscious, his baggage, right? Don't they call your unconscious programming your baggage? And then you have the dog, which may be Ursa Minor, as we just established, circling around the pole. Um there's also Orion and The Canis constellation, you could point to as well. I think in astrotheology, there's more than one location for any particular mythology. But then the cliff edge is also another big part. That's the fall. The fool represents the fall. It's almost the same word. The fool of man. (laughs) The fool of man even happens by Adam and Eve getting fooled in the myth. Then looking at the, the... The tarot plans to the Death Star, as you call the thought tarot. Very particular symbolism on this one. You have, first of all, the rhombus. Um, Just want to point out the importance of that. We won't really go into it unless Gabe points things out relating to it. But you also have the yasad or the generative powers. They put the sun right there on the place where the genitals go. That's very important. You've got the, uh, the grapes, or as we identified them last night, the elderberries. That was cool. You have the butterfly, which is again, a symbol of the metempsychosis, exactly like the Ouroboros is and the horns, there's more going on here. The dove is important. The, uh, the torch is important and you'll notice I did, there's also a bag. He's got a bag and what's contained in the bag <laughs> astrological symbols. More about that later. But I'm going to start carrying us the actual plot. So this is the establishing shot for the beginning of the episode. That's Kang, a.k.a. the Black God. The Osiris Kronos. Uh, Satan devil character, right? Big deal. And we zoom out and we see behind him that there's an infinite plane with pure, like perfect as above so below symmetry. That I find... Very interesting, because just looking in the background, it's like, well, that's flat. It's <laughs> definitely that's definitely not a curved surface. And the heavens, the above is a, a mirror to the below. I think that's a, a big metaphor for the realm. Now, the next thing we see is Loki. He's running in. And, and if you look at these structures behind us or behind uh, Kang, the Kang statue, we can infer that the platform that he's running on is actually a loop. He's running in an Ouroboros shape right here. Um, the German word that means to run is Laufen. And if you consider Loki's giantess mother is actually named Laufey. or So we have a, a big a big syncretism right there that would actually connect us not just to the idea of running... But if you allow the F and P interchange, then uh, laufen is lupen. The Dutch word for run is actually lupen. So there's a perfect example of P and F interchange. But wolves, back to the idea of the dog or the wolf, wolves are fantastic runners. The Latin word for wolf is lupus. So the word, the name of the wolf, lupus, is actually related to. Uh, running, Lupin, that, or Laufen. Learned that from Spirit World, A God's Acre for Winds of the Soul. You can get the audiobook recorded by me, written by Dylan Sikosho. Check the show notes. <laughs> Very worth your time. Definitely will upgrade your language chops. But back to the idea of he's running, and that's encoding the idea of the wolf. Well, Loki is also the father of the wolf Finrir in Norse mythology. There's a big correspondence with wolves and Loki, believe it or not. Not to mention, I mean, in mythology, Loki is the epitome of the fool. Uh, in this episode, it's maybe a little more uh, symbolic that he's the fool. But <laughs> there's a, a shot in a few moments here that just absolutely proves that we're on the money with this analysis tonight. Now we're going to look. One thing we didn't bring got, up. When we, oh, go ahead. I got I,
1: I got one f- for that last shot. Yeah, thank you, Chance. Uh. I want to mention that his his face is replacing He Who Remains, uh, and and then he runs past it, and He Who Remains is still there. So there is a He Who Remains uh, replacement attempt, uh, and that is kind of foreshadowed. That does play out uh, true to the plot. But this scene, remember my shtick about the word conspiracy theorist has the word race in it three times, but only through the greek linguistical uh matrices can you see that theo doesn't just mean gods they were also racing they are like vega you know they're they're wanderers they're racing around the track so the gods are uh, a cornerstone of controversy right your god is my devil my god is your devil that kind of that kind of trigger but races are also competition in general, right? So this is rat race, all the things race. Um, and we are having a black man whose face is replaced in a race by a white man. So the race, 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 raciness of it is hilarious and overwrought. But I want to bring it back to the stars. I found out that in the springtime, where that fool card, oh, the uh, right or white fool card is a springtime fool card. Uh, the Thoth deck is a fall time fool card. Uh, I think, I think there's a difference between them. I'm kind of uh, I've, I'm convincing myself of gray space, but I want to I want to tell you about this chance. This is one of my big explosions for this scene. The Messier ca- catalog of astronomy is inspired every year. Well, was inspired at one time. I don't know if they still do this by what is called the Messier Marathons. And so the, uh, it's a particular night in the spring that is the only night that you can see this uh, a council of these particular very important springtime constellations. And so if anybody wants to look up uh, the mess- Messier Marathons, when all of the objects can be viewed over a single night, Um, and there, and it's also by a low, you don't have to have a fancy telescope. So it's like, it's accessible to amateurs is what the Messier marathon is about. And so that event means that that real estate in the sky is very important. It's a, it's a, a priority real estate, that stage for that exact night of the Messier marathons. So it's like all the star nerds, including Star Trek, are probably getting a big whatever and have been for many years. So it's like an astronomer's holiday. And then I want to read this really quickly. Let's see. Okay. Oh, the Crab Nebula. Okay. chance. This is wild. That event is where they discovered the Crab Nebula had gone off and they were able, because because of this marathon, Because of putting race aside, they had a marathon and they had Chinese astronomers came to the event finally. And they had translators. Everybody's getting along. And they were able to discover that the Crab Nebula was going off in the heavens over all the way in the far east in China in 1054, which is the exact year of the split of the Catholic and the Orthodox Church. So this stellar event that was confirmed by astronomers in, the, uh, in this Messier marathon was their ability to get over their race differences and compare notes finally. And what the astronomers were able to do is say, look at these priests in the Catholic and the Orthodox. They excommunicated each other in the exact same fa- fashion, in the exact same day, at the exact same time. Why would they excommunicate on the same day and the same time? Why would they go to all that? Because they were paying attention to the stars. They did it because of the stars. And it was at this Messier marathon that they were able to actually realize, like, whoa, this West and East and left and right paradigm. It's just because there was something in the heavens and everybody had to blame somebody. So for that to be commemorated by the opening scene of them running around and triggering race issues, And it leads back to the fact that the Crab Nebula is the reason for the split from the east to the west from 1042. And right now we're reliving prophecy of the fucking east to the west is going to go at it again. The Crab Nebula is like a linchpin. And what is beautiful is that is the divide of the sagittal ridge of the brain. And on the right side is the one half of the torrid double terminated meteor shower. And on the other half of the brain is the other half of the double terminated torrid meteor shower all in this part of the sky that the marathon is there to observe and get the best night of the year to observe it. And they're commemorating it by the opening scene here. And slick distant only believes in two races, men and women.
0: (laughs) You know, there's a big thing about black holes in this episode. And if you recall, like, I don't know, 2016 or something, they gave us a quote photograph from a radio from a Radio telescope of a black hole, and it was in the Messier region of the sky. So that's actually all you know. Multiple ways that it part of the heavens is showing up below the surface in the subtext of this episode. Really great weave about race issues. <laughs> I mean, the fact too that this is the black god and then the white god. Uh, I'll also add that Jonathan Majors, the guy that played Kang, he received a guilty verdict since we last did a Marvel show. And <laughs> he's got like an interview post-trial uh, post, post uh, trial where he does the classic defend, attack, reverse victim and offender role. You know, <laughs> there's definitely... I mean, I, I wouldn't say that like the uh, the woman that... Brought the charges to him is is great or a saint or anything, but the whole thing's a mess, and he's like the poster child for it. So we'll move forward. But thank you for that. The race issues were not on my mind, and they are racing. <laughs> uh now one thing we didn't mention about the full card is the letter, the Hebrew letter that is associated with the full card is Aleph, which is Alpha or A. The As you can see in the top right here, the claim is that the claim from the mainstream is that the A or the Aleph comes from the shape of a bull's head in Egyptian hieroglyphics. But that's essentially, you know, an assumption that hieroglyphics predate letters. And I have a million reasons to dispute that. I think the hieroglyphics came after letters. They came after letters because the secret of letters got away from the priesthood and they needed a new way to keep their secrets. And I think that's what hieroglyphics are. That aside, you know, that's a conversation for another day. This letter, Aleph, um, you know, an alternate. (laughs) My personal opinion on the shape of the letter is that it's a bellows, not a bull head. Although bellows and bullos, <laughs> you know so close, very close. Interestingly enough, uh, you see the wind blowing in Loki's hair right here. the The wind is a huge symbol in this episode, and a huge secret symbol of the fool or the soul. Um, <clears throat> particularly, consider that in Latin the word fallus, where we get the idea of folly, which is what a fool does—folly. Is it means windbag. <laughs> and if you look at this windbag, aka bellows, it is the pretty much exact shape of the Phoenician Aleph, right? Which is like RA turned on the side. Uh Loki is obviously a windbag. You know, they make jokes about his <laughs> he likes to uh monologue, right, and talk. Classic villain thing. Now, I want to point out that between Latin and Sanskrit, the letters W and M verifiably do switch and interchange. So there's a strong connection between wind and mind. And obvious, that's I'm not telling you anything you haven't heard before. That's the air element, which is the mind, the sword, (laughs) etc. Yeah. I just don't buy the whole bull's head. I think it's bullshit, but we won't talk about the problems with the Rosetta stones. Ask, ask Dylan about it. He, he'll he tell you all the problems with the Rosetta stone. There are many. Um. So I think the windbag is the origin of the Aleph. A, also a flawless is a, a word for a coin. And if you see in the Thoth tarot fool, you have a bag of coins with the astrological symbols. Astrological symbols are psychological components, right? They're the, they're what make up your psyche. So the bag and the fool card is a not just a wind bag, Aleph, but it's a mind bag. Another way of corresponding wind and mind, right there, showing up on the card.
1: Yeah, buddy. You know that uh my family has a, a pet name for me that I absolutely can't stand. They call me Ebag. It's Gabe in reverse. Now you guys know where I get it from. great catch man great catch with the hair uh with the wind in the hair again uh this is also going to kind of foreshadow that when he starts to skits out and this also is athena capturing achilles that made the magi card and giving him a little uh mental check yeah great catch and then i want to on uh on hieroglyphs I just want to point out, we really hit that H really hard. It's also love, right? It's aeroglyphs. And the Sibyls developed culturally. This this has been integrated a long time ago, but uh, heterophilia is sexualizing things that are sacred. And that happened to our psychology so long ago, we can't even resurrect Sigmund Freud enough to start to integrate that fact. Uh, but I love that you caught the wind in his hair here because it is it's foreshadowing that he'll start to he's going to start going crazy. He's going he's to have a lot of uh, rushing thoughts uh, as he skits out.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. He has like he can't get his words out fast enough. He's practically in this episode. He's like, yeah, he's skitsing out. <laughs> that's so true. Good point. Good point. Yeah, the I think. Watching the episode through this lens of like the windbag and the mind, uh, it will bear fruit to rewatch this. Now, you know, I want. Oh, go
1: ahead. I, to, I want to make a. I want to make a pun. I'm just going to project a pun into here. Is is this a, a long run on the breach? You know, the walking along the beach, and here we have a breach, a security breach, and they're looking in each other's eyes as they jog in the in the sunlight. Just a just a just a thought, because. Because the Ma- Carrie Magus card has a lot of beach implication. Uh So that's what's on my mind. I'm seeing Carrie Mullisk, uh overlapping with Loki in most fascinating ways psychologically. That thread, I think, is going to get stronger and stronger as we go through season two. Carry Mullisk and Loki correspondences.
0: Cool. Well, I'm here for it. Definitely here for it. So... Yeah, <laughs> there. Loki's looking back. Mobius is the past, far distant, infinitely long ago past version of Mobius is glaring and staring into his eyes. This is Mobius as a seven on the Enneagram expressing the one, the wing to one, which is the stress expression for the seven. Um, his future version, his future development will be his seven with the five wing. He'll be in his growth model. But looking through the lens and the Enneagram always is good. Uh, Gabe, do you see anything about the, the one wing here that Mobius, oh, yeah, this version he, of Mobius is expressing?
1: Man, you're giving me a alley-oop for a 360 slam dunk, my friend. <laughs> this is glorious. So uh, about integration and disintegration, it is important to get this out in the front. Uh, almost with all schools of thought, you're going to find within that school – arguing camps Uh, uh, recently the enneagram community is very much uh trying to renovate the idea that disintegration is bad and integration is good and they see that as like a cultural bias or something and i'm kind of with that idea i like that for the enneagram community at large as it stands outside of hollywood i'm here to tell you that hollywood doesn't care what the real community has to say Uh, I actually have the book right here and I have tagged the page where he actually says, this is the Enneagram story writing, rapid story development, Joe Lyon, Jeff Lyons. And he actually says here, uh, this is a main opponent definition for the writers. This is a main opponent in fictional stories is defined as, and it's a long list, but I'm going to cherry pick off the list. He says, has an enneagram style that reflects the worst qualities of the protagonist uh, (parentheses) de-evolution. And so, what I'm saying is that in Hollywood, there will be a bias against integration and disintegration. But if you go looking for self-help, they're gonna uh, they're gonna soften the pill for you and tell you, "Feel free to go from a seven to a one if you have to." I agree with that. But in Hollywood, they want you marching. They want to have marching orders and they want to have, be able to put pause and they want to put you in reverse. And so they need this, uh, disintegration and integration to be uh, instilled into the program. So thank you for setting this up chance. And yeah, we established already. He's a strong seven. He's going to be in denial of his one, his past self because he got zapped. He doesn't know about his past self and Loki's trying to tell him you used to be this guy over here in number one. And this has that strong relationship to the, um, Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance Repair, the author of which was zapped and lost his memory, and his previous identity was Pausanias, who was the number one speaker in the symposium, which freaks me out because it's almost like they're watching the Slick Dissident channel and triggering little things that I've discovered along the way. This is a seashell on my seashore for
0: sure. (laughs) Very, yeah, very important what you just said. We will return to that. You know, they like... Okay, so Loki, he he gets cornered. Hold it, right there, variant. And he says, Mobius, it's me. So from the position of Loki's journey, traveling, uh, reaching the crown, or Keter, on the Tree of Life, fully ascended, he's traveling back down from the crown into, uh, in my opinion, he's journeying to Chokmah, or wisdom. Uh, So the problem is that in Keter, and a above the undifferentiated state reality is not really comprehended that's why the consciousness travels from the crown down to the lower realms of the tree so it can know things now wisdom isn't actually the same as uh, understanding that's a different sphere but essentially Lo- mobius doesn't know loki and loki doesn't know what's going on <laughs> because he's just been up in the the undifferentiated all you know, Omega Point, the planetary. So there's a path, right? To be specific, the Fool card on the Tree of Life represents the path from Kater to hokmah or Wisdom. And the planetary association with that path is Uranus, which rules Aquarius. Aquarius is I know. <laughs> so this episode is about Loki on a journey to gain wisdom or Hokmah. By viewing the larger cycle or circuit of existence and its interconnections. And that larger cycle or circuit is a Uranus concept because he's going to be jumping from the far past back to the present. He's going to be putting the picture together of the whole cycle that nobody else will have that wisdom. That's what what makes it wisdom. (laughs) You know, he's going to see how it all fits together. But true understanding is going to come later, later in the season, when he makes it back up the tree again, he's going to go all the way down the tree and then all the way back up the tree <laughs> but on the way back up he's going to pass through the magician path and I think that's where the season arc will end um, you know he's descending <laughs> the right side of the tree and ascend and ascending the left side of the tree by the end now here's the most <laughs> self explanatory moment that supports the clear correspondence with the fool card and Loki uh, in this episode right or yeah I, I should have okay this isn't the right slide but here's a picture of the fool path it's Aleph the ox it's path number 11 it's from the crown to hokma mobius is saying i don't know you this is the you know what i just said about knowing in the uranus uranus aspect or aquarius aspect of this this path now <laughs> here's what i mean this is the most self-explanatory moment that supports the correspondence to the fool card with loki in this episode After he's cornered, he jumps off a cliff. (laughs) I mean, does it get more overt? That's like as overt as it gets. He jumps off the cliff. Um, So this is the point where we're going to start occasionally bringing in Gematria to this weave. The letter Aleph equals one. That really limits the... (laughs) Amount of jamatra that you can do. <laughs> it's anything that is spelled with just the letter A <laughs> is one. So that's, we're not going to go with that. We're going to actually spell out aleph, which is aleph, lamed, peh. And that gives us a one, one, one. Okay. And interesting is that with different pointing, with different vowel pointing, the aleph, lamed, Pei is actually like ilaf or eleph which means to teach, to instruct, to train, to learn, or to slip, to slip, which, I mean, jumping off a cliff, slipping and (laughs) slipping off a cliff. That's for sure what's going on in this moment. But throughout this entire episode, Loki is going to be time slipping. That's the exact word they're using, slip. Now he's slipping off the edge. Uh, Now to understand this word, Aleph and letter in Hebrew mysticism, it has to do with the first outpouring of spiritual influence into the realm of existence. That is the Keter to the to the uh, Chokmah, right? Now, we're going to be looking for words that equal 111. That's a big deal. When we talk about 111, that's three ones. That's the three in one, right? One times one times one is still one. But one plus one plus one is three obvious mystical significance to the one, one, one. I'm going to let you go for a it, game.
1: It's dawning on me. This is terrifying. Dude. Today is January uh, 11th. Yeah, is buddy. True? yeah, buddy. It's one, one, one today. Yes. Shut the Dude, door. Guess what? Yeah. Guess what? My dentist appointment was at one o'clock in building one, on a 111, it was amazing. And here we are weaving on it in the show. That's kind of creepy. But I want to say this. Whoa. Yeah,
0: man. I want Where to say is, this. Speaking of ones, where's Juan to give us the what yeah, the man. fuck? We need a what the fuck
1: right <laughs> we, now. <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, uh, guys, I'm seeing a seeding, a super nefarious uh, subliminal here. Time slip is an anagram for pill time. And pill time is a word for people who are institutionalized. That's actually, they that's what they do in prisons and in the retirement homes. And so to correspond time slip with like, Oh, I don't know where I am or what time it is. They're literally conditioning people for institutionalization. I just got to say that like pill time is, is a communion. It's a, it's a coming together. It's like eating the body of Christ so that you can be, go on with the rest of your week. Uh, Pill time is a that's a nasty jab, subliminally. That's nasty.
0: I don't like it. I'm still tripping about or, the I, fact that it's one eleven and the <laughs> like I have so yeah, many yeah, yeah. words that fit into this episode that equal one eleven. It's insane. It's insane. I
1: should be I should I should be more accurate. We should keep the S. It's pills time. So <laughs> slip is pills. So it's pills plural.
0: Got it. Got it. Time slip pills time. Uh and funny, that just makes me think of a, a recent tuning client where, uh, long story short, it's my suspicion that that some medication is causing some neurological and degenerative brain stuff for this individual. And uh, this individual has been like having time slips. <laughs> the way it was described to me was, gets up out of a chair to get, to walk across the room, and then the next conscious moment falling down, tripping over something on the ground. So like weird, but I, that was literally just in my experience today with a, a client and like that we were dealing with, with the ramifications of that. So weird. <laughs> There's like, everything is everything, guys. That's synchromysticism for you. <laughs> Pay That's attention. What's That's all what's... the same thing. And the fact that we're doing this today, like this is not a day I normally stream on. We would have done it earlier in the week, but I wasn't ready. It's It had to be today, 111. This is such a trip. I can't believe I'm just noticing that. Wow. So, moving forward, though. Um, there's Well, let's just talk a little bit more about the mysticism of 111. Uh, there's the Hebrew phrase, Elohim," which is, one, he is God. That equals 111. There's the uh, the living silver, the argentum vivum. That's in Hebrew uh, a, a word that represents that is the gracious or precious stone. The you know the philosopher's stone, abin chen, which would be aleph uh, bet uh, nun and then chet nun. That equals one hundred and eleven. That that's the precious stone. There's the word spelled pay lamed aleph. So that's basically aleph in reverse. That means wonderful, admirable, mystical, marvelous, (laughs) hidden, extraordinary. Uh, It's related to the path of Kether, the crown, and associated with the voice. So there's that. Um, There's the red-haired, red, reddish-haired, That's related to, so the fool is Adam, first of all. It's the Adam Kadmon, especially in the Thoth version of the fool. So Adam is said to mean red or clay or referring to red earth. My suspicion is that Adam is not referring to earth as in the dirt, but like earth, the whole thing that the, uh, the mystical idea that the entire world is the Adam Kadmon, the first being, first created being. Then you have uh, the word, Aleph, samek, Nun, or is a nun final. That represents ruin and destruction, sudden death. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> fascinating that the Hebrew way of spelling Om, Aleph, I-N, Mem, that equals 111. Om. Then in Latin, it's where the Argentum Vive or the Argent Vive, the living silver. It's not Argentum Vivum. It's Argent Vive that way of spelling it but that equals 111 in latin gematria uh argent vive that's quicksilver that's a lo- that word like you know that's a mercury word that's loki um also the word meaning home or house is 111 in greek gematria that's oika or o- oikia <laughs> so there's a lot to it i'll leave it at that but we're looking at words that represent very they're very transcendent, thrice great type ideas, right? Nice. Um yeah, buddy. Well I got I
1: got one for that. Yeah, buddy. Uh the one yeah, buddy. the one hundred and eleventh triangular number. No, no, no. One hundred and eleventh prime number is a very sacred number. It, of course, you would guess it was, because we already know one 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 is sacred, and it's uh six thirteen. Six thirteen is the number of required mitts of uh, prescribed mitzvahs in the lifetime of, uh, of an ascetic uh, but it's also FM 613 is an FM which is free masonry which is uh, also it is the number of average number of arils in a pomegranate which to the Greeks was forbidden and to the Hebrews was like yeah let's have a pomegranate holiday and in the um uh in the Eleusinian Mysteries, there's a pomegranate nod. Um, but then I want to say this about a forbidden fruit being associated with slip or pills. You Think mean like again, uh, slipping
0: word, on a banana peel?
1: Banana pills. Slipping, slipping on, banana on a pills. banana pill. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. And that's the forbidden fruit of it all. So I just wanted to uh, bring this uh, 613 and the FM of Freemasonry in the, in the picture.
0: Cool, man. So I'm going to move us forward. He jumped off the cliff and look how he's falling. It's a uh, very reminiscent of the hanged man, let pin <laughs> I, like I said, I think the hanged man is the other card for this episode. He's so he's reached the crown in his previous, in the previous season, the season finale, he's descending from the crown down to wisdom, the fool path on the tree of life. His fall here, the fall, the fall of man, the fall of Adam. That's the hanged man position on the tarot as well, because the major arcana, divided is divided into two expressions of the same cycle. The microcosm beginning with the fool and completing it justice and the macrocosm beginning with the hanged man and ending with the fool. So the fool is the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. This is my opinion. I don't know if you'll read that anywhere. (laughs) That's what I think though. Uh, The French word for hanged man is pendu, which reflects the esoteric meaning of the fool and the hanged man as the starting points of their respective cycles. Pindu is whence comes the idea of a pendulum, the <laughs> hanging, oscillating part of a clock. The fall of the fool is into time. The hanged man is matter crucified by time. Pindu is also esoterically Pan Deus, the god of all, the old father time. <laughs> that's, a huge, that's a huge other weave. <laughs> like look into the Chinese uh, version of Fanny's pandu or pendu i also think that in this episode we will see loki reach and surpass the hanged man position of the tree of life which is the uh we'll we'll talk about that later when we get there but so he falls and he lands on this flying truck the first thing you'll notice on the on the flying truck that he lands on the bed of is a big four which makes sense because We've already asserted that as far as an Enneagram personality type, Loki is a four, which is a fit for Hermes and also for crucified saviors. Here you have St. Andrew crucified. Um, I put in this image of, (laughs) so the cross with four arms in this shape, that's called a St. Andrew's cross. It's also a cross of Ixion. Uh, The wheel is a symbol of that as well. Esoterically, to be broken on the wheel, tortured on the wheel, is the same thing as crucifixion. Semiramis is a female version of the Divine Child or Savior. You'll see Semiramis statues in between Jupiter and Juno in some temples. Her name actually means Supreme Dove. Recall the dove on the Fool card. When Semiramis is defeated in mythology, she's crucified, but also her spirit becomes a dove and flies away. This is Loki flying away when cornered or defeated. Uh, why this is relevant is because... In my opinion, it's relevant. Helen, like Helen of Troy, and Io are both versions of Semiramis. They come from the age of Taurus, the bull, which is Aleph. Literally, Aleph means ox or bull. Helen was born, and Helen was born out of a waterfowl's egg. I just find that fascinating. We should keep that in mind. Uh, But the full number shown here is 435. And we'll talk about what (laughs) 435 means. Well, the Messiah or the Messiah and the Prince. That phrase altogether is 435. That's Loki. He's the Messiah. He's literally a prince of Asgard. Now, in a different way of doing gematria, uh, sometimes, th- I, I don't know. I don't speak Hebrew, but I think that sometimes when you see a hey before a word with a dash, it means if you were to read it, it's like the, the article the, Right? But I think mathematically, when you see that, it's actually a minus. Like, so it's uh, the first word minus hey basically. So you're saying with with this particular word, it's uh, what is that? <laughs> what are those letters? That's like a um, some semek pay shin. Somebody help me out. I'm it's the first one. I'm not sure about. It. I think it's semek. But essentially, if I had if I had my uh, numbers in front of me, I could tell you, but I know that those three those three letters or those four letters equal 440. but if you subtract the three letters equal 440 and if you subtract the 5 of the hay, it's 435. So it's the animal soul. Why that matters is Loki is in his fall fall the fall of man, the fall into matter. He's falling down into an animal body. That's like symbolic of this action here. So the animal soul four thirty five. It's on the truck. <laughs> the prince falling down into the animal body. I, I think it's there. I don't know why else they put a four thirty five on here or, whatever. Good times though. Good times. You want to know weave uh, on that bud?
1: Yeah, yeah, man. I can. I'm kind of. Uh, I'm kind of alarmed by finding Messiah and Prince in this particular. Yeah, I, I, this is pinging hard for me. I'll just say that um, the four three five in my enneagram work back on the symposium does have a hail uh, to a dynamic switch in the seating order, in which uh, uh, basically the character who I've associated with uh, Machiavelli is changing seats. And so, for you to tell me that four three five has Prince involved, Prince was Machiavelli's uh, corpus. That's kind of just hitting a chord for me and. I happen to know that in the background of this scene, they're flashing other signs and symbols, one of which uh, almost says Trump administration. Uh, And it's so fast there. It's like hyper subliminal because like it's even a blur and you have to like manipulate the screen to catch it even at the speed that it's going. Timeline preservation administration is one of the signs flashing in the background, which is basically T P R. Uh, A.D.M. which turns into like Trump almost. Uh, and it has the word administration. So it becomes like Trump administration, which is warp speeding in the background. So tr- T.R.P. and warp speeding and administration in the background. It's like uh, very obvious to me uh, what they're getting at. Also, the colors are right for the golden child, messiah, chosen one. And you're telling me that the numbers are lining up to a prince messiah thing. So there's some heavy Trump administration shit going on in the background and very Machiavellianly uh, administered to, unto our witness. Uh, and there's another uh, two signs that flash. One is the coercive conversation center. And the other one is uh, variant affairs. And so uh those are like very heady. They probably are insinuating things over my head. Um, but I just I just see a lot of uh, nineteen eighty-four uh implication to what the what is uh, booming business in the in this future.
0: <laughs> so the, the truck he lands in is a mail delivery cart. What's a mail delivery cart? <laughs> What's a mailman carry? A bag of letters, a bag of letters. <laughs> I mean, that's the full card It's a bag of letters. It's a bag of mind in the truck. Oh, it's flying on the wind. <laughs> it's a flying truck with a bag of letters. I mean, am I, am I seeing things here? <laughs> I think it's so there.
1: Yeah, buddy. It's it's so there uh, I uh, there is a huge pattern of when a regime regime change comes along. They always change the mailing system. Uh, so the change from uh, Pony Express onto the whatever Franklin did and uh, even the founding of the of the nation with the yellow fever. They had to overthrow whoever the courier system was. This was a weave with us again with Spider-Man. If you go back and watch our Spider-Man weave, they were literally targeting U.P.S., And then there was a headline the same year that a UPS driver on his virgin maiden voyage was taken hostage in a shootout from five different precincts. And the whole headline was painting pentagrams in your head with bullets drawing out the patterns. Uh, And then they did it in Spider-Man. And then after UPS goes through a fall and Amazon, the only two delivery systems that took hits in the news, the one delivery system that did not even get smirched has risen to the top. And I don't have to tell you who that is, but I will. Amazon (laughs) Santo.
0: Okay, that's a good call. I forgot about that. The That's true. Man, someday to go back and watch the decodes we've done in the past (laughs) would be awesome. Can you believe it? We're like at this point in the episode of Loki that we're decoding, we're like a minute and a half into the show, <laughs> an hour into our talk. Very cool, very cool. Oh, hey, flying delivery truck could be a stork reference. I like that, Cheney. I like that. Let's Excellent. keep that in mind.
1: Uh, uh, so, crane. It could be a. It could be a good crane. It could be a good crane. Oh yeah, New crane. Uh,
0: and stork. That's what the Greeks. Say the reason why their predecessors, the Phoenician sailors, the Plazgi, were called that. Plazgos, I believe, is the word for a stork. So Plazgi were the ones who carried letters to different parts or different cultures. Or the Phoenicians carried letters. Like the 16-letter system that the Irish have, the the Greeks, the Hebrew, the... It goes on and on. Lots of cultures share that same 16-letter origin. So, and... <laughs> The stork, the Pulaski, they were the letter carriers, not like mail, but like commerce and the system of written language itself. So there's there's something there, (laughs) man,
1: I'm having a lot of thoughts all at once. Uh, I got to say it was 16 letters and then they crash into a tower. Right. Uh, uh and also the promethean knowledge prometheum is 61 tower card is 16 sulfur is number 16 they have the very very strong correspondences and you know just in the light of like who's going to deliver messages uh when the yellow fever was kicking off only haitians were allowed out on the streets cuz we believed they were immune to this yellow fever mm. um So they were able, uh, whoever had the most Haitians, took over the delivery uh, industrial complex. But think of this. Black-skinned people don't blush when they deliver a message. I wonder if there's, uh, just through my research uh, with the epics, um, paying attention to people's tells, like a glimmer of tear in their eye or the blush to their cheek, it's actually, uh, it's a... It's a pattern. It's an important pattern uh, that they were teaching people to watch people's facial features as a tell for what's going on in their interior landscape. And I'm just thinking in the context of what we're talking about with the Haitians taking over the male system. uh, And I'm not saying that accusatorially. I'm saying that historically. Black folks don't blush and they don't reveal uh, on that level. And this guy, the hole goes right through his cheek. Right. It's an embarrassment. He's losing face. There's a loss of face here. It's kind of cool. And with all the uh, with all the hullabaloo knocking over statues was a trigger. Let's not miss that.
0: Well, not to mention this is a big statue of the Lord, the father of the TVA, and it's made of rock. It's a stone statue. And. 111 Kephas, the Aramaic name for Peter, the rock, the Lord. It literally, Kephas means rock in Aramaic. So there's Dude. another right there, a 111 yeah. showing up.
1: Okay, this is a good one. I'm going to get a screenshot of this for my own stuff. Uh, R-O-C is 369. L-O-R is 369. You put the D on the end of L-O-R, and it's just a big fat delta triangle. 369 plus a triangle, that's an Enneagram. The word Lord encodes the enneagram the word roc encodes the enneagram even a council of foreign relations enneagram
0: oh zarela that's a great point he says i think the statue is made of sandstone because the sands of time because he's the god of time that's a great one love that good call dude thank you love you guys in the chat so another 111 shows itself because after we see the crash into the statue, it cuts into the TVA mission control room where the ancient version of Casey is doing some janitorial work, listening to meditative instruction on tape. So Lamed, pay ALP, it means to train, to learn, to teach, instruct, or guide. And here he is, he's receiving teaching and guidance. Fascinating. Uh, the 111s just keep rolling, and then, boom, the truck falls into this room or crashes into this room, ass first, falling backwards. Major repeating symbolic act in this series. Uh, Gabe, I feel like you have a better grasp on the falling backwards, what it means. But what what do you? What's your read on that?
1: Uh, yes, it's uh it's been charged uh, around the lockdowns. Um, it was strange. Uh, the very earliest films of the lockdowns was a face plant. I remember that guy was eating pavement uh, in the, from Ch- in the Chinese videos that they were circulating. but ever since it seems to me that uh, the the pattern is now a fall backwards, including uh, the damar Hamlin uh, ceremony where that fellow did three days in the underworld uh, and then had his resurrection. That uh, that took place on the 48th yard line. 48 is the, the 48th triangular number is 223 yard line is twilight speak for the year delineated. So when he fell on the 48 yard line, we're literally saying 223 year delineated. That ritual was so fascinating. Um, so yeah, the Demar Hamlin—he uh, he's literally the fool card because it was a bangled tiger that struck him. The fool card has the bangled tiger on its thigh. The consistency boggles the mind, and um, I don't like to give our uh, manipulators too much credit. I just like to call them uh, as honestly as possible. And yeah, so the falling backwards also Thanos falls backwards all the time It's part of his trigger uh, so the falling back on your ass um, it is, it's it's a uh, uh, i think it's a hail a Thelemic hail sign um, and it is the difference between the rider weight fool going forward off a cliff or the thoth deck uh, falling back on his ass and he's showing his uh, his heel he's showing his soul he's bearing his soul with uh, uh, with sobek underneath and so that's the sobek conchus Uh, subconscious uh, signaling
0: this part is really the next thing that happens is (laughs) Loki just falls out of the back of the truck and you know brushes himself off I'm fine I'm fine that's a major fool reference because of the slapstick like comedy of this moment and then after he says he's fine he says morning like everything's normal But that itself is absurd because (laughs) we've—it's been a stated fact in the show that there is no time at the TVA. So, I mean, look out there. Where's morning? (laughs) There, there's no morning. It's not a thing. Great freaking point. Nice catch. But But hard, hard irony catch right. Well, that and it's better. It's better because if we just started a new cycle, like the fool, the fall beginning of a new cycle the springtime he says morning because in the microcosm the cycle begins with the morning right (laughs) so and if if that's not enough confirmation then what happens next uh the well we'll get there but first the driver and the truck fall to their demise which i don't know maybe that's a joke about the low status consideration of the heroic mail carriers of our world which it's a really important job, right? But they're not all that respected. Uh, Loki arriving on the mail truck, that's also kind of a Hermes thing because Hermes is the messenger and the postman. Like, here's a Herm statue. It's a post with a phallus. So, Loki, the postman. <laughs> and then after the that fall, he turns around and this orange ball drops. The wh- When does the ball drop? The ball drops on New Year's. So again, we're referencing that we're, we're at the beginning of time, or it's the very big it's the earliest point in the TVA like way back in the past it's the more he says morning, the ball drops new year, happy new year so several several symbolic references to the fact that we're starting the new cycle of time, the new beginning of time. but then the ball. <laughs> Why do I think this? Oh, where's the symbolism of this? Where is the symbolism of this? Okay. Well, oh, right. The ball, the ball falling off. <laughs> the ball getting cut off, however you want to put it. That could be a reference to castration. So the uh, trifolium is a Latin word or trefoil. It is another word that equals 111. And the trefoil is a fancy word for the Mickey mouse club, the castration scar that Gabe is so into. I know you weren't ready for me to go there, Gabe. I know dude. Like first, now you got a word for your Mickey mouse scar, the trefoil trifolium and <laughs> it equals 111. It's a full reference. It's an aleph. Wow, man.
1: Wow. What a scored chance! Thank you for this gift. Uh, you know we we are really blessed to get so much pleasure out of sharing words. You know, like th- that enriches me and will enrich others and yeah, that is power. That's handed power over to somebody right there, man. Trifolium. Yes, this this scene is has a great deal going on. Uh it was through this scene that I finally was able to give Casey uh his his tarot card. And uh uh, when I gave him his tarot card, all these other pieces started clicking in place. Uh, but yes, the tarot card that he's where that he is associated with has a strong castration correspondence. Um, can you pop that pop up the one I just sent, sent in the telly to you? This is I, this is so cool that you come to the same conclusion that I come to. But we're in, we're coming to just from uh, exactly two different uh, confirming perspectives on the same topic yes mickey mouse club i'll say this real quick telescopium has three lenses a telescope has three you know 10 times 20 times 100 times uh that is the symbol of the mic mic microscopium uh, abbreviation is mic microscope opium on the end of that okay so you got the trust the trifolium and you got the word opium is in the microscopium That symbol of the three circles, it keeps popping up. And I I finally have my finger on the pulse that it's a hail to the military industrial complex where they like their men to have no families, no attachments, no weaknesses, no balls to get kicked. You just take orders. And so it's all, yeah, whatever, whatever. It's Mithraic. That's a Mithraic thing, that requisite. But here it is. Casey is the Aeon card. His ink stain in his pocket reveals him so explicitly because that little red dot on the Aeon card is uh, it's, it's exactly how you identify this character. And the Aeon card is doing the um, uh, the uh, what is it called? The oath, the Hippocratic oath. He's doing the Hippocratic oath sign and Casey a couple times through his arc. Is the character who is telling people, "Shh, I got a secret." Uh, she comes up to him and just, he's. She literally says, "Why are we whispering?" And then later in the in the series, he he hushes other people. So he's doing this gesticulation, this very revealing gesticulation. And it's in this moment that he's got his headphones on uh, that I was realizing that he is the Aeon card. So this is the moment, this scene when the when the truck drops, it's like an egg coming out. (laughs) He rolls out like a birthing. Well, look close at the Aeon card. There's a hidden egg balancing on its nose right here. Uh, And it's also the um, that's the alien gray that Crowley talked to. But it's also the Shrek, the scream from Edmund Munch that was uh, painted off the coast of where they do the Nobel Peace Prize, Oslo, Norway, where uh, the Maelstrom, Nordstrom, Maelstrom popped off uh, that crucial event. So I'll just kind of drop that. But this definitely identifies Casey as the Aeon card. And when I put him in place, a million other things came into, into fit. But Shem, Kay, the Aeon card has a Shem underneath its feet. That's 300, 111, 300. I think there's a there there.
0: So I want to make a correction. (laughs) Uh, My gematria for the animal soul was a little off. Uh, Nefesh is nun pe shin which equals 430. And then the hey for the is five. So you do get 435 out of the phrase the animal soul or hey, nefesh. But anyway, (laughs) I made an incorrect presumption. I was just trying to make it work. Uh, The gematria book that I was using had an error in it. So... which you know that's why you got to find your receipts for things i i do try to do that i try to delineate when i don't exactly have the receipt but it's you know i read this somewhere but i digress i want to also let everybody know that uh pretty soon we're going to drop the free version of the stream and go into the subscriber portion not exactly how long the second part the members only part will be but probably around an hour and a half just want everyone to have the heads up the rockfin is where you can get onto it uh to watch it live or catch it on my patreon posted asap after we're done here so here's the link to where it's streaming on rockfin i thought about it i thought about it <laughs> i wanted to leave the whole thing free but it's a you know i feel like i'm kind of robbing my loyal subscribers who support the show by replacing an interverse show where they would get an exclusive second hour with a fully free Marvel show. And secondly, I actually put a lot more work into the Marvel shows than, than most anything else I do just to put these slides together and to make all these connections. So if there's ever a reason to support your, uh, your favorite podcast host by becoming a subscriber, then now would be the time you can boogie over to the Rockfin link. It's in the live chat anytime you want. And seamlessly pick up exactly where we're at over here on youtube so we will be yeah but we will be uh cutting that off but i think it'll be good i think it will wet people's whistle you know they might see an hour and a half long video and be more willing to try it out than four hours on (laughs) in one video anyway i gotta tell you you, yeah
1: you know i gotta say your uh your decision to do that is right in stride with the spirit of the slick dissident project right now. I just did some real deep dives on what magnanimity is all about. Uh, uh, greatness of soul, great soulfulness. And uh, what chance is choosing to do right now is actually an expression of great magnanimity. So I just want to honor you in the spirit of, uh, of your choice.
0: I will. I, it is painful to do it though. Cause uh, I'm, I'll miss the the convenience of the YouTube comment interface, put them up up on the screen. But, you know, someday we'll we do vibrance for free. You guys get a lot out of us (laughs) a lot. Okay, so continuing forward, the uh, the the castrated ball falls off and it lands on the time or the TVA logo, which is interesting. There's a symmetry there a crack on the left side of Kang's face and the right side of his emblem, the logo. It could be a metaphor for the right side of the brain controlling the life, the left side of the body and vice versa. That's my read on it. Also notice the 12 segments, the Zodiac of the circle around that emblem, that logo. That's pretty interesting too. (laughs) But the other thing that I see out of this orange ball is our first hint at the tub subtext in this episode, pointing to the concept of black holes, uh, which they are kind of referenced later in the episode. But <laughs> so just look here, okay? On the right is, is or- this orange blurry circle. <laughs> Looks like a sphincter. It's a, totally a butthole. This is allegedly the first direct radio image of a theoretical black hole said to be at the core of Messier Object 87. Uh, Guess where that is? That's in Virgo. So this black hole is the hole of the Virgin. (laughs) It's the the Virgin's uh, hole. I mean... Everything NASA does is overtly sexual in its symbolism. It really is. Go ahead, Gabe. Oh, my
1: gosh. I'm tripping on how synchromystical it is that you went from this is a 12 segmented thing to here's an object, Messier 87. That is a trip uh, for the slick dissident followers. uh, The the two Hornavian groups, one is uh, the divide between the one and the two, and the other divide is between the eight and the seven and so for you in two sentences to hail to the one to the two and the eight to the seven, uh, that's uh, that's Enneagram uh, sync, hardcore alarms and bells and all that. So, yeah, that's cr- really cool that there's a 12 on the ground, of course, because the 12th uh, triangular number is 78. Am I triangular? Yeah. 12th triangular number is 78. So that's a uh, sacred geometry that is true to the Enneagram. That was pretty sweet. That just happened.
0: In the chat, I had the question, how many, how much do you need in tips to keep this full episode free? <laughs> I will answer that question that if I am astounded by the generosity of a bunch of sudden super chats, I may keep it free. I'm not gonna put a number on it though. I don't like to limit my, myself. <laughs> but surprise me with a huge amount of generosity because so far the only people that have super chatted for this great work so far are people watching on Rockfin who already pay me monthly. So. You know, it is what it is. Uh, 10% of the audience carries 100% of the support. That's just always how it is. If you're a free barnacle, I love you, but it's not, I don't feel the reciprocity. So I feel like I'm just loving you and you're just enjoying my beautiful face and deep voice. (laughs) Gabe gets it. But okay, back to the butthole of uh, Virgo. I mean... Sphincter or Yoni or whatever this black hole is. We, I mean, I I said it was 2016. I was wrong. This image of the allegedly the first image of a black hole. That's from 2019 is when they gave us that. It's more recent. So one of the things about the black hole is the idea of the event horizon, which is the point, the theoretical point that you cross on the, near the theoretical object in the theoretical outer space, where is the point of no return? And after that you're falling in, that's the spooky story. They tell us about it. So the event horizon, that's like the most important thing about the black hole, the event horizon, the point it's just another way of saying the point of no return. So they give us this alleged image of a black hole in 2019, before we crossed the event horizon of 2020. I mean, obviously, <laughs> right obviously there's like symbolism in that too you gotta gotta be aware though that oh go ahead i gotta
1: say it you just hit the only hornavian group you hadn't said yet (laughs) i did yet you went into the only hornavian group you haven't said Two, two one is the bottom of the of the enneagram two one and nine is the top so you just said like 12 and then you said 87 and 97, saying 219. You just listed the you just said an angelic in, invocation, you just invoked Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel numerologically. I feel like we're doing the work for them to cast these spells in a more concise manner.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not trying to cast any spells, I'm trying to dispel the spells. But if there was a spell here, black so holes, same. Is a huge, black hole is a huge spell. It's a huge spell. It's a huge like they're t- spell. They're I think, basically telling you that, like, I, I, eventually the sun is going to collapse upon itself and its own weight, its own density will be so deeply compacted uh, into such a small space that it will just suck everything in and not even a light can escape. <laughs> and that's the ultimate fate of everything in the universe. And then they kind of yeah, weave that into the the Big Bang And essentially imply that the Big Bang was a black hole that exploded or like a white hole that, you know, it is a black hole that then inverted itself and all blew out. But just keep in mind, everybody, just like the Big Bang and other scientific theories that have been uh, accepted as some kind of cosmological truth by the mainstream. These things all derive from mystical ideas. The Big Bang is the egg of Brahm or Fanny's. (laughs) The black hole was introduced as an idea by a clergyman named John Mitchell in 1784, just like a clergyman gave us the Big Bang, and etc etc. Like it's always (laughs) this everything that is accepted as scientific dogma is the mystery school tradition put into the packaging of materialism. But it's the same,
1: buddy. OK, so one of my most embarrassing uh, realizations live in my channel was that Stephen Hawking is the frickin chariot card. Stephen Hawking is a living chariot card in the width and depth of those words. I'm still absorbing myself, but it's uh, I call him uh, seven Hawk King. And now look at the Thoth deck chariot card. It's number seven. There's a bunch of hawks. There's a king and a throne. He's in a wheelchair. the The, the chariot card in the enneagram is the Epicure. It's Socrates, and Socrates is the mystagogue of science. Uh, Nietzsche accused Socrates of being of generating the spirit of Socrates. Grew into what is today called excessive scientific optimism, which has run amok and it needs, it's gone gluttonous. Scientific scientific optimism has gone gluttonous. That is the shadow of the number seven. And so they're about to uh, unleash this myth of a black hole on everybody's consciousness. And then here's what's fascinating. Stephen Hawking's is about to get swept under the biggest psychological fucking rug there is when we all turn a blind eye to the fact that uh, a crazy wheelchair uh, charitable cause uh, heartstring uh, uh, invalid. That's, that's all I can think of is about to get away not only with murder, but with one of the biggest lies uh, instilled, inseminated into the minds of man ever, and we're going to let him get away with it. And we all know it happened, but we can't do anything. Uh, it's really profound. The Stephen Hawking thing is,
0: it's never going to go away. It's so profound. You realize how retarded the, I, I mean, not just Stephen Hawking being retarded as in, like, with ALS and basically acting like someone with retardation, but the whole concept that a guy who's paralyzed and all he can say is and then there's a dude next to him that translates and he's like yes I knew I wanted to be a scientist since I was a little boy and then the cripple goes (laughs) and then the translator says and I've always enjoyed building models and things like it is a huge joke it is a huge occult mockery (laughs) I mean no one lives that long with ALS there's no way he lived as long as they said he did He's a complete puppet show that gives the victim credit or like the victim currency to quote unquote the science <laughs> to say like yes. oh how dare you attack these uh, scientific ideas they came from the most brilliant mind of the world uh, like what do, you, what do you have against cripples it's a huge spell the Stephen Hawking thing yeah. is so stupid it's entirely fake yeah, yes but-
1: yes so it's a it's a it's a gigantic double bind. Uh, so a lot of people are using the term cognitive dissidence, but I'm moving into uh, double bind. Um, and I want to say somebody mentioned Helen Keller, which is worse, like, you know, uh, actually, this is just a sequel. It's just a sequel. I call this the chair at a bowl cause. The chair at a bull cause is everything about Erichthonius and his family lineage to Vulcan and Hephaestus. He is Auriga, the lame charioteer who whose legs are serpent legs or maybe broken from the fall and everybody's heart goes out to this character and he goes through this redemption arc that is epic and uh, it's part of the heroic 100 heroes with a 100 faces. Erichthonius if you look him up and keep in mind Helen Keller keep in mind uh oh here's the here's the cool thing though about Stephen Hawking as this chair at a bowl cause I'm saying chair because this is the charioteer and it's right over the bowl of Taurus so this is where our language literally is star speak chair at a bull cause is going to pull your heartstrings every time it's an eric Thonious spell and so um uh, also, I want to say I'm just going to leave it with the, oh, the crab nebula is right in the loca- this location. So this consummates for me why the crab of cancer is not where the crab nebula is. The crab nebula is actually over where Auriga the charioteer is. So this thread between Auriga and the cancer is actually uh, a button and a thread or a button and a cloth because the Crab Nebula is uh, in Auriga. So, yeah, um, I want to put Greta Tintin, Eleonora Thunberg, on the map as a chair-addable cause. She's double-vaxxed, Tintin. XX is the Aeon card. The Aeon card is Auriga Hephaestus, the charioteer. It's a show in itself, but the charitable cause is Auriga Hephaestus that is uh, the Crab Nebula that corresponds to a uh, jump over to cancer where uh seven hawking is sitting in that throne
0: it's interesting i knew, i wasn't thinking about hawking but there's a character later in this episode who is in the hawking chair judge gamble remember the judge the crippled judge yes I thought it was just a diversity hire, but maybe, you know, they they were making a joke about the gamble of uh, using (gasps) (gasps) Stephen Hawking there. I got it. I got it. I
1: got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. it. Bring it back. Bring my image back. Bring the last image back. I got her. I have her. I found her already. You nailed it. So uh, KC is the Aeon spirit in the front of the card with his finger on the lips doing the Hippocratic Oath. And the lady you just said. She's the Stephen Hawking behind him. Zoom in on that card. Uh, there's a character behind the ghost. That's her, the charitable hire, the chair at a bull cause. Okay, so the ghost is KC, uh, uh uh Jesus Christ, whatever. KC, whatever. Some he's the, the spirit of the prophesied one. He's the he's the promised one, right? It's a per the card. That ghost is the words animating out of this the enthroned one the shape that horseshoe shape is a north node symbol uh north node is an anagram for odin throne and so odin throne is at this uh, lunar standstill uh north node and dude the charitable hire is that character sitting in the seat there you just found it chance great catch and the charitable cause you even had to call it that for me to see who that was in the background of that of this this card This is fun.
0: Well, I'm having a blast. There were some nice super chats from two of my favorites, Louie and PK. Uh, So we'll give you guys a little longer, but definitely no more than the two hour mark. Then we're going (laughs) members only. Love you guys, though. I'm so glad that we found the Stephen Hawking connection here it it's totally a thing though that they got the chair attributable hire in the episode where they're bringing up black holes that's so true um, now back to kc we've never talked much about kc the character but it is i find interesting to note that both k and c equal 3 in the english Septenary gematria i mean these letters have a clear correspondence and they show the mystical arrangement of the alphabet The letter X is also potentially pronounced the same as a K or a C, and it is also three. So KC is 33. The other three in the alphabet is the P, which looks identical to the Greek row or the letter R. So the 33 of the X and P is the symbol of the row, a Christ symbol. Another example of that symmetry is the Z and the N being equal to one and the letter Z is an N rotated to 90 degrees clockwise, at least capital letters. Fun stuff. I just love uh, nerding out on esoterics of the alphabet like that.
1: Chance, I'm realizing, God, we are so... And we have 33 blocking. watching
0: right now on YouTube.
1: Yeah. So, look, can you make... Well, no, don't, I guess, can you split me with that screen? This card is the blocking of the room. This is the shape of the room. Loki comes in right here. Loki comes in here. This is the male shem, the male shem <laughs> that the that the truck falls down. Casey is like here in the middle. And this arc is the actual uh, wall behind Casey. It's actually in the shape. And so the steps coming through that that room would be like walking through here. And Casey is right in this location. But It's literally, this is the shape of that room. That room is the Aeon card, Chance.
0: It's the room where they monitor the time from. So it makes sense that the shape of that room would be the Aeon card. That's great.
1: What a trip. And now and now the scar on the floor corresponds both with this ink stain and Casey's pocket, which is a down fell hymn, which is a placental uh, nod. His pocket is a down fell hymn. That's a placental, uh, the weavers of fates, uh, keeping track of your potentials. That's so profound, y'all. This is so profound. Keep that in your pocket and smoke it.
0: (laughs) So this is the point in the episode where Loki begins to have his time slips. Remember, Aleph Lamed pay with the right vowel pointing means to slip. So there he goes, turning into spaghetti and disappearing. And then he reappears in the same spot where... uh, Casey is again in the present. So he reappears in the present. And oh man, this is great. <laughs> Aleph Pei Lamed, APL. That's all, still eleven still 111. That's apple or affel. Now the meaning of the word in Hebrew is misfortune or darkness. So in such as Job chapter 28, verse 3, referring to man, it says. He setteth an end to darkness and searcheth out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. So man is the he who is being referred to here. The metaphor is of digging into the earth or into darkness to find gold or to find enlightenment. Uh, That's what the fall of man is all about. The apple of the knowledge of good and evil, the apple being darkness. (laughs) Hence why I chose the uh, apple logo here. The Final verse the chapter 28 of Job is uh, verse 28 <laughs> and unto man he said, behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. So I thought that was good because it's correspondent to what's going on here. Loki is on the fool path of the Kabbalistic tree of life, the wisdom path from Keter to Chokmah where the fool goes. He has the Fear of the Lord, which is why he's schizophrenically, panically warning everyone about Kang and Kang's inevitable return. That's the fear of the Lord. Job, Job, verse twenty-eight of chapter twenty-eight. Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom. So, I mean, it couldn't be more biblical. <laughs> the Bible says wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And Loki, in the episode representative of the full path of the tarot, which is the path from the Lord, Kater, to uh, Hokmah, wisdom, he's fearing the Lord and warning everybody to fear the Lord. Eventually, though, he will reach understanding the path from Binah, which is understanding, to Kater. Ah, there's so much with this. So the Aleph. One hundred and eleven aleph spelled out the Trinity is symbolic of the oneness of God, but that's you know if you just look at the letters that's A L P A P L is the same number or letters as uh you know that's if you same letters A L P uh, A P L A P L is darkness or misfortune, but it's basically you would say apple A P L. The oneness of God is perceived through the apparent misfortunes of APL the Hebrew word such as the fall of man required for man to choose God instead of just being God's perfect toy that that our misfortunes inevitably bring us closer to God is obvious for anyone who's had a long enough human life without losing their empathy or spirit or honesty and the darkness is the pleroma the primordial state of no thingness that is the all things merged into oneness So just like the word one, beginning with an O or a circle, but being drawn as a numerical glyph with a line, the alif, A-L-P, or in the other arrangement, A-P-L, represents the alpha and omega. It's also interesting to note that A-L-P, alp, can also refer to a high place, like the word alpine, relating to mountains, or the Swiss Alps. But with the P to B swap, it's alb, like Albania or albion, the old word for Britain, or albino. So alp, uh, in the form of alb, albino, that refers to whiteness. So uh, the uh, alp alb, it's like the yin and yang. It's the alpha and omega. It's white and black. It's one and zero. It's the opposames, the apparent opposites that reconcile as as symmetrical oneness and mirrored. No, <laughs> I got all of that just out of Loki saying, "Casey, something terrible is happening." Yeah. <laughs> but considering yeah, I got
1: I got some weaves to uh, uh, to real really consummate that ability to appreciate it in in a scramble, right? Uh, and look, the fact that he's scrambled right now is uh, is also giving us even more uh, uh, nudge into this idea. This is an appeal to help. Appeal A P L to A L P. It's an appeal to help, and I love that you pointed out that you got to go to a high place to do it. That you go to the Alps. You go, and then um, the fact uh, English when uh, when common law allowed English to uh, come into the courts uh, because it was all French up until that point. English was literally uh, labeled as. The language of the pleading, and here's the uh, P-L-E, the pleading, but they mean it in an aspect of like the sheep or the herd, you know, the, uh, from the flock, from those who are of the flock. Um, but there's something a oh, little with the bit, P and some the some linguistical switch, the pleading is from the French that's it. That's it. The pleating is bleeding. And we know that they're loosing us, you know, so there is the blood loosh aspect to it. I mean, like bleat, too. like a uh, sheep yeah, bleats. And, and remember. Yes. Yep. And that's a bellwether, right? The bellwether is the bull, the lead bull who's castrated, who tells everybody where to go. And everybody's if they're following a bellwether, they're uh, they're obsessed. They're focused on his castration scar, which is the mark that we just talked about. So here's the bellwether and the pleating and the bleeding. Look, that's a a pleated stain on the pleat of his pocket. So the appeal for help is a bleeding of the bellwether, which is a castrated bull and everybody else is just staring at their junk or their lack thereof. I love that word bellwether.
0: (laughs) So we also have the... uh God of the Abyss, Apollyon, that has that APL to it as well. That's there for anybody that's watching. But if you're just listening, you wouldn't see that image that I got up there. Okay. So. Okay, what's my next note? Loki notices next the crack in the floor. And he asks Casey about how long it's been there. Which is how he realizes that he's been in the past or the Fool path. And also, whatever future time this is, uh, I think the future time is the hanged man part of the Tree of Life paths. Loki asks where Mobius and B-15 are. And then when Casey turns his back to him, Loki disappears again. Poof. And uh, since that's the end of the first scene (laughs) in the episode, I think this is a good time to uh, make our migration over to the plus only subscriber only side of this so thanks everybody for being here gabe you gonna you uh you can hit them up for donations too please oh
1: yeah 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 uh slick distant i got some cash apps down in my uh in my uh description boxes uh on slick dissident on youtube um this was fun this was huge reveals like we took it to Man, the, okay, the appeal and the APL and the fact that Apple is the uh is the initiation of the alphabet, uh, and this is a birth scene. Man, we really nailed it all. And then the Aleph being a castrated bull is the word is the ox of it all like this is great. The train the train is uh, all lined up for uh, huge success. I guess uh could you pull up uh the, mm, the one that says This one is fully Zerolath-inspired from the Telegram group. It's the one with with a mech bot. And I just want to leave people on this note. Uh, We discovered this before on Season 1, but uh, it's developed. It's become more confirmed as we go. And that is that uh, it's about Sylvie's name. I know a lot of people catch on the silver and the quicksilver of it, uh, elementally speaking, but I had a great epiphany that I just love sharing this, and it's very rewarding. Uh, it's the one with the Talos, the, uh, from the Jason and the Argonauts. So Sylvie, you want me name, to pull up an image? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's got, a the lover's card and the hermit card on the bottom.
0: Okay. It today, I
1: see it. very recently. Yep.
0: Could just so this is on.
1: Sylvie's development. Um, let's start on the bottom. In season one, she her,
0: Gabriel her introduction. Gabriel initiates uh, bottom to top.
1: <laughs> they do. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Build. Uh, I'm I'm inductive. Uh, so she is the hooded character in her initiation. Uh, She's uh, literally holding a lamp and she sets fire to a a field of wheat. So her very first time we see her when she's unveiled, she is both the hermit card with the lantern in a field of wheat. But that hood also gives her strong correspondence to the lover's card number six. So she's rocking a nine, six, six, nine. Right. Uh, Party on, Wayne. Uh, But this hooded figure, her hood is the statue of Giordano Bruno who had the mind palaces, and that's going to be popping off now that we're talking about outer space and uh, uh, parties of of, uh, amateur astronomers and acknowledging these uh, celestial events. So, yeah, this was her in season one. She was a combination of these two cards. She goes through a profound change, uh, and she becomes uh, the lust card, used to be the strength card. But I just want to weave on her name. This is so cool. Salvi is uh, a huge inside joke I'm learning. And I'll I'll just, uh, I want to tell it this way. Uh, Athanasius Kircher, who is an echo of Hero of Alexandria, might have been the same character. I'm okay with that. It doesn't matter to me. They were both highly inventive characters that made gizmos and gadgets and Pneumatic devices that were uh, wind-powered, that had uh, air-pressured uh, ability to potentially, this is the myth, they had a mech bot who could raise its hand and actually speak words. And the words that they chose to program, the first mech bot, the first words were salvi, it was an Italian, hey, how you doing, what's up, casual style, Right. That was the first words that a mech bot spoke and it would spin, send people into a psychological spin. This is the initiation into the uncanny Valley. And they've been handing this torch throughout time with so much consistency. It's beautiful and scary. Um, so Salvi and all incarnations of that sound and all derivatives and linguistical cousins are encapsulated in this woman's name and it is a hail back to the first mech bot uh, made by Athanasius Kircher uh, and so uh, can you so can you roll up a little more the
0: in in the Kircher Kircher made a golem really i thought he was it's just like mech, an, it's a, an author
1: it's a it's a machine he made a uh, yeah it, it's a machine he made a bunch of machines he was a, a innovator of uh, tech and so he would have a box and you didn't know what was in the box, but the thing on top could move and do tricks, and and he was uh, bringing it in big time. And uh, the Knights of Malta were are built on the Empire uh, from all of that that time period. Uh, but if I you did move up a little,
0: automatons—that is crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's—I think he's hero of Alexandria. They just, uh, yeah, they just uh, wash, rinse, repeat. But if you roll up a little, the Jason and the Argonauts mech bot covertly under everybody's nose it had the athanasius kircher altar it needs that box underneath it people overlook the altar and that altar has to do with being stationary one part is stationary that's where the magic is the part that's moving that's the hand you're supposed to look at the real secret is in the hand you're not looking at and so the altar that it is based upon Is really where the magic is happening. While you're watching the machine move, the gimmick is actually in the box underneath it. So this is the the magician's trick that uh, uh, that is passed on for uh, in many ways. So some of these images I've actually captured from this series, and you're going to hear me talking about the altar. You're going to hear me talking about change. Uh, I think this is basically a command switch, uh, uh, a psychic command switch. Uh, And so remember what is on the Baphomet's hand. Written on its hand is salve, salve. And what did the mechbot that was protecting that city, what did it do when a boat would come that it didn't want to get too close? It would throw an opening salvo. It would throw a salvo across the bow. And so a shot across the bow is a hey, how you doing? Check yourself. Watch your toes there, buddy. And so Sylvie's name has an amazing amount of history, meaning, and implication behind it. It is the biggest inside joke in the world. And you could weave this into Roku's Basilisk. You could say that her name is Roku's Basilisk. For those who knew what that was and was carrying that torch all the way back from Hero of Alexandria, the Salvi might be those who know about Roku's Basilisk and bringing AI into its incarnation today. That might be the true intention behind her name. And then last part, uh, I've discovered that Iceberg Slim was triggering a lust card, a Thelemic lust card spell on the masses. This is a whole nother research thing. Iceberg Slim was a pimp. He was a brilliant genius. We could all learn so much from him. Uh, And I've talked about him on my channel before. But that lust card is what uh, Sylvie is moving into. And this lust card... Uh, In the context of artificial intelligence, Roku's Basilisk and sex bots, the inside joke is huge, and the industry for it is alarming. And so, uh, wake-up call, this is your opening salvo, this is your heads-up, y'all. Don't be sticking your dick in no robots.
0: (laughs) Well, that's advice, timeless (laughs) advice right there. (laughs) What a what a closer to the first half. So we're hopping over to the Rockfin only and Patreon only side. Five bucks a month to join on Patreon. You'll get the full stream uploaded once we're done. Or join Rockfin. Get access to that entire network of awesome premium content. Support creators. Independent creators who uh, might get censored in other places. And we appreciate I got, it. I got one so more guys, thing. I, okay.
1: I got one more thing. The Mechbot Talos... This this uh, this one from Jason and the Argonauts, it was melted down when it was destroyed. They melted it. It, it collapsed in the water. They had to uh, salvage it. They had to go salvage the metal from the mech bot and turn that into the first coins ever. This is the birth of money. This is money grows on the tree of knowledge. This is T.T. TRT all the way. And so the salvaging of the mech bot to turn it into the first monedos or the first talos is the origin of the word dollars. And so uh, for the sex bot in the sex industry to be related to money, it has such consistency. It's brilliant.
0: I can't right now with that. (laughs) Okay, that's 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 a lot. All right. We're going over to the Rockfin side. Love you all. Thanks for being here tonight on YouTube. Peace.